0: Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host Marco and this is a special show. Today is Monday, January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year everyone, we arrived in 2021. We made it into the new year, which by the way is not at all a date of astronomical significance but more about that soon. Right now, it's extremely cold in the house here in Mexico. Um, It's like 10 degrees outside, but that's kind of also the temperature you get in the house. So we're wearing a winter hat in the house and a winter jacket and double socks and, of course, enjoying a nice cup of coffee. Yeah. So in this special episode, I want to show some... Gratitude again. As you regular listeners may know, I am a teacher, and most of my already 15 years of teaching I have spent in middle schools, teaching science. And teaching is such a rewarding job. Yes, it is challenging and can often be stressful, but there is nothing more rewarding than seeing your students grow and learn. And it gets even better. Often you run into your former students years later. And you get to catch up and see what path they have chosen for their lives. And it's even better to listen to their success stories. I'm extremely lucky to get a lot of these little opportunities due to a second job where I am teaching German classes in a local university. And that is where we often meet again. And what is it that makes me most proud of them? Is it that they still remember a certain topic from my classes? No, of course not. It's the values they represent. It makes me proud to see that they know what they want from life, that they are caring, responsible people, with a good sense of integrity and community. To see that they are happy, and that they succeed at what they have decided to succeed at. Thanks to the university campus, to local events, and also to social media, I had the chance to connect with several of my former students and talk to them on the podcast. So far, I've had conversations with four of them, and I want to present you with some of the best snippets from these conversations, to represent all my students, and to celebrate them, and to express my gratitude and my respect towards them. I hope you enjoy this episode, and you find some inspiration in these brilliant young people. Let's hop into this special episode rabbit hole. All right, the first student I had on the show is Paola Gonzalez. She studies psychology in the campus where I also teach German. And she is head of the student council, where she shows great leadership. And a part of that, she also realizes several projects on Instagram, where she helps local businesses, which has been extremely important in just the past year, 2020. And a fun fact, we were on stage together. Yes, in a theater play, when she was in ninth grade, Hansel and Gretel, she was Gretel, and... uh, In the opening scene for two or three minutes, I got to play her dad, which was really fun. Anyway, let's go back to the interview back then. The first question I asked her is, what impact did the remote teaching have on her and her career in 2020?
1: Well, it started kind of um, rocky. I had um, several bad experiences with my internet, with my computer, and also with myself. Since I was very used to going to school at 6:30 um, in the morning and then arriving home at 12 a.m., so it was like a, a very hard hit for me at the beginning. But now in in August, almost September, I am kind of more used to to sitting in my computer and there taking my classes. Classes, it's not the same. I mean, it. it Changed a lot since since the uh, presidential classes stopped, but I'm I'm not complaining. I mean, it it's still school and better it is than nothing, right?
0: <laughs> right, but yeah, what is it that you miss most?
1: I think arriving to my classroom and saying hi- hello to my friends and maybe hugging them and hugging the teacher sometimes even I don't know. <laughs> I miss human contact in general.
0: I had to follow up and ask her from her student perspective if she thinks that the university and the teachers were well prepared or if they could do anything better?
1: I think the university took it very well from the beginning. I mean, they they started making some some special classes for the teachers to prepare, you know, for this new uh-huh. way of teaching and for the students too, for, to prepare for this way of, of learning. So I think it, it went pretty well, but maybe some teachers could like... Um, make more activities in their classes and not just sit there and, and read a presentation. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, some activities or new, new dynamics could be good for, for us as students because we get bored a lot. I mean, our generation has this, this tendency to get bored quickly. So I think they should um, maybe pay more attention to that. But in general, it's, it's good. I mean, it's going great.
0: All right, let's talk about her projects that she realizes on Instagram. So the first one I asked her about is called Segunda Vida, which is Spanish for Second Life, and I was really interested in how she got the idea and what motivated her to found it.
1: Yes, of course. Um, it, it all started kind of a, I think a month ago now, with my sister because we saw this opportunity where um, Instagram was filled, Instagram and the news and everything was filled with this new information that got out that fast fashion was really making a negative impact on our on our environment so that new new alternatives needed to be made and we also looked at our at our own personal lives and we saw that we had a lot of clothes that we only used once or twice and were in excellent conditions so we thought why not start selling these kind of uh, clothes and they're very like 30% of the original price, they're very cheap in comparison to the new clothes. And they help the environment because we stopped consuming fast fashion. So we like got these two opportunities together and we started this.
0: And let's also hear about the second project, Promo de Hoy, which is Spanish for something like today's promotion. Let's hear about that one.
1: Yes, over there I'm working with a friend also that is older than me, uh, a male friend. And we started this, I think, in November, December of, of last year, 2019, because we were seeing that a lot of restaurants had started making these promotions, like, um, I don't know, maybe Thursdays we had boneless and, uh, I don't know, 50 pesos or something like that. So we started making kind of our, our own um, promo menu in our personal, like, WhatsApps, in which we started putting, like, Mondays, we can go this, this to this restaurant and thursdays we can go to this restaurant and and then we we had the idea of, st- of making this instagram page in which we could share the promotions of of the restaurants and the local businesses over here and then the pandemic started so it it kind of helped us to grow a lot because a lot of businesses needed this new this new help you know because they all started closing and then they started opening again and then they had all this issue so i think it it has been going great because of all this situation too.
0: Another thing she does on Instagram, which I noticed are those Sundays where she asks people, ask me anything. So I noticed that there are a lot of people participating and asking her questions that probably are looking up to her. And I wanted to know what is it that they mainly ask her?
1: (laughs) I think they're more focused on like um, heartbreak or maybe, well, Maybe friendship relationships. I, I think they see that I study psychology and okay. they like kind of open up themselves. I mean, I make it anonymously, only I see their names. And if I answer to them, I I don't disclose their names. But I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that people trust me and then they, they like my advice. I I really like it.
0: Another question I asked her is one that I ask many of the people on the show that are involved in so many different projects how do you keep yourself organized? Let's see what she answered.
1: Yes, I mean I I started learning about organization in middle school mm-hmm. because I I learned from them in my middle school that organization was very important and I didn't really get it until now. I mean when I when I got into into college into university in 2018, I really learned how to how important it was to have like an agenda or something that I could somewhere where I could divide my time efficiently, because if I only have all the information in my head, I really get lost and I get stressed and everything and if i if I write write everything down, it gets extremely easier so i I think that would be my recommendation of our organization because it it's really really yeah. relevant for me.
0: Next, I asked her a little bit of a provocative question because we were in this remote teaching situation. And there were some people criticizing that teachers are not even necessary because it's the parents that are doing all the work. So I wanted to hear her opinion on this.
1: Yes, I think teachers are really, really extremely relevant. I I think teachers that are passionate about their work and teachers that I don't know, that know a lot that they transmit, they know how to transmit correctly their knowledge. They are extremely relevant for people in any age. I mean, I think little kids or teenagers or or young adults, they love, we love to learn about people that enjoy their work and what are they doing and how they, I I mean, I personally love to see how teachers get out of their ways and like get out of their boxes to, for us to learn and for us to enjoy the class and for us to, you know, get the most out of the, of the, of classes. And I get I maybe, maybe get a little bit how, why people don't like school and they think that it is not relevant because now we have, um, platforms like Coursera or or stuff when we could, when, where we could learn, um, externally from school. But I think school is really still really, really relevant. I mean, human contact and human, like word to word, mouth to mouth, um, transmission of experience and knowledge. It's, it's awesome. I love it.
0: Last but not least, a question that could not be missing to end on a positive note, I had to ask her, what is it that you're most hopeful about in the future?
1: I think in the um, in the future, I'm most hopeful about maybe people starting to value more their, their friends and their acquaintances and their human contact in general, their families, because in all of this, almost six months that we have been, um, in the pandemic situation, we have drifted a lot away from our, our close friends and our close family members. And as you said, Mexicans are very, very used to being close to people. And we are very, um, used to getting into, into parties or maybe huge events or concerts or festivals. I mean, that all of that things, I hope that when we get there again, we value them more and we not just, take them for granted you know and we start being more empathic with our our people that are around us and we start um i don't know i hope that people start getting happier that they were before when we get out of all of this you know
0: well thanks to paula for this wonderful conversation and if you dear rabbits want to hear the whole conversation it's on episode number 32 in the podcast feed and if you think that Paula is involved in many projects, wait for the next one. Uh, very recently, I have reconnected with Alejandra. She is now a chemistry student, and she went abroad to France to study a semester there in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, she also has some projects that she realizes mostly through Instagram. So I talked to her very recently on the show. And the first question I had to ask her was, what is it that got her interested in science or more particularly in chemistry?
2: Yeah, well, as I said, I've always been very curious. So I love to understand the reasons why everything happened. So uh, I also, I'm, uh, I love all these cosmetics and fragrances, so I was like, well, I want to have my own business when I grow up and I want to make makeup. So, uh, I investigated like the, the career for that. So it was chemistry. But, well, my, my career in fact is like chemist, pharmacist, biologist. So it's like a combination of the combination of everything. And well, then I started to investigate more about the, the, the career and I, Realize that I love also the part of pharmacy, uh, the, all the clinical part and also the environment. So it has a lot of different areas in which I can then, um, be like, uh, educate myself more into those and to work on those areas. And I think it's beautiful to know the reason of like everything. <laughs> in fact, it's like the, the chemistry of life. So. I I mean, it's, it's beautiful to understand why everything happens like it does.
0: Of course, I was curious about her experience of studying abroad in France in the middle of the pandemic. And now that she's back here in Mexico, I wondered if she sees any similarities or any big differences in how these two countries are handling the situation. Here's what she said.
2: Well, uh, as I said... In France, it was strict lockdown. It was not optional. Uh, we had to leave our house with a permission. Um, and well, we signed it and I, I was like, well, with all my, my data, like my name, where do I live, where, where I was born and everything. So, um, I left to the supermarket with my passport because if the police like asked me to, to give the, the document, I mean, they had to, to have like an official, um, identification. So it was my passport and it was really weird to just leave to a supermarket with your passport, but I mean, it had to be done. Wow. Um, and, and then, uh, well, that was clearly one of the most, uh, different things that I found between France and Mexico. But I understand that here we cannot do that because of all the informal jobs that we have here. And also like the France government gave like, um, economic help to families, so I understand if that cannot be done here, so mainly those things, because there are still, like, French people who don't believe in coronavirus, or at least when I was there, it was like, oh no, like, that's, that's made up, (laughs) and it also happens here, but the, the decisions that the different governments made it's what I found the most different.
0: On a little bit more personal note, I also had to ask her how she was feeling back then when she was so far away from her family, and if she had any regrets of going there in that particular moment.
2: No, no, no. no. It, I, I think it. everything happened as it should have, but I mean, at there I was like, how (laughs) how does it does it happen you know like it was really really weird and like the chances of me being like in france during a pandemic were not really high (laughs) yes but i mean i wouldn't change a thing about my my academic exchange because i really learned a lot there about resilience and like just being by myself and feeling super great like that like uh, I was really used to being around my friends or my family so for being alone 58 days <laughs> was mm-hmm. something and I really learned a lot about
0: that all right time to talk about the projects that she is involved in and the first one I wanted to know about is Diverciencia. that's one that she did not found but that she is part of Diverciencia is a pun, a word play of uh, the words divertido and ciencia. So divertido means it's fun, and ciencia means science. Let's hear what is her participation in this one.
2: Well, Diverciencia is um, an association which uh, we give out like um, we give out courses of science to to children for them to learn about science in a fun way. So basically that's it. <laughs> and I joined Cimer Ciencia because I studied Mex- Mexican Sign Language like three years ago, I think. So then when I finished my courses, I was like, where am I going to practice? So, uh, this association started a inclu- inclusive version with, um, for deaf children and, me- and hearing children. So I joined this association as a teacher. And I started making, um, uh, like the content that we were going to, to see in every class. So yeah, basically, mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> like the purpose of this association is to, to normalize liking signs.
0: So one thing that Alejandra was doing over the last years is learning Mexican sign language, which is just to admire and I wanted to know, among other questions, if there's any difference in learning an orally spoken language and learning sign language.
2: It was different. the 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 grammar is different. Um, the I don't know. Everything is different. Like you, you may want to talk and you can't. And in fact, it's not recommended for you to talk and and to sign at the same time because, like, mm-hmm. uh, deaf people can try to to look at your mouth and like. It's it's not like it's confusing. So you really just have to move your your hands. It was curious. <laughs> I I wouldn't say di- uh, difficult, but it was not the same as learning another language because I mean we do not conjugate the verbs, so we just like uh, insert the the like the term or like the the ten- the tense. Sorry. So to to know in which uh, tense we're talking. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, wow. it's different. It's, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's just like yeah. you have to be open-minded about, to, to it.
0: Talking about being inclusive, we noticed that uh, there's still a lot to do, a long way to go, because most places really just do the minimum necessary to say that they are inclusive. So I asked her what does she think would it really take for us to be much more inclusive, and if she thinks that it's necessary that we all learn sign language,
2: I mean, I would love if every everybody um, like knew sign language because, yeah, I think it's necessary. It's like um, it's part of of our culture. I mean, even though mm-hmm. if we don't know about it, it's still part of like Mexico. <laughs> so we cannot try to make. Deaf people learn Spanish because they yeah. have a disability. So it's us that have to learn the language. And so yeah, I mean, I would love if it was given like in in schools, themes, kindergarten or elementary school. That would be great. But yeah, definitely, I think it's on us to learn yeah. the language.
0: And yeah, just to sum it up, I also asked her if she thinks that we're doing enough. Um,
2: yes, in general, I don't think that we're a super inclusive society. We try no. to be and we try to, to include like, okay, this is for like for the wheelchair. And yeah, you have a ramp here. And mm-hmm. so yeah, we make this effort, but it's not enough. Honestly, that just like the minimum we can do. And we, we lack so much more. And we have to learn so much more for us to be like an inclusive society.
0: Thank you, Alejandra, for taking the time and talking to me uh, so shortly before Christmas. Actually, this was the Christmas episode on December 24th. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, dear listeners, it's episode 48. But let us now go with another conversation. Another student I had on the podcast who is actually from the same generation as paola and i think they were even in the same classroom at one point Uh, his name is edgar he studies physics and uh, i was his physics teacher so he reached out to me to write me a thank you note years after being his teacher which was super nice super heartwarming for me and uh, he also wrote that he has a youtube channel uh, where he shares his whole experience of studying physics And he has several thousand followers there. And I looked at it and it's great material. So I had to have him on the show. And to kick off the conversation, I also asked him first, uh, what does he enjoy most about studying physics?
3: Um, Well, one of the things that I enjoy the most is that physics makes me feel like I'm still a kid. Because Mm -hmm. I I see physics as a tool that makes me uh, look at a phenomenon and try to grasp a concrete idea of what, what's happening and it allows me to work uh, with it so that I can maybe understand it and maybe find something mysterious about the universe or so the, the idea uh, in physics that I could somehow do that in the future makes me feel like I'm, I'm a kid playing with this tool that it's mat- mathematics and physics and all the physical models that exist that's what i enjoy the most and it makes me feel like i'm in a, in a kind of a movie of science fiction because the topics i like the most are black holes and oh, multiverse yeah. quantum mechanics and the fact that i am starting to to study that deeply It's great. I I can't believe it.
0: The conversation went on. I mentioned that I had just rewatched Star Trek, which uh, made him remember uh, Mexican involvement in the idea of a warp drive. And he told me this little story that I want to share with you.
3: There's this Mexican physicist, actually an astrophysicist. Uh, His name is Miguel Alcubierre. He's a professor in UNAMP in ciudad de mexico he while making his thesis his doctorate phd he was looking at star trek a show uh-huh. and they I, I i haven't seen it but he says that in the show they use uh something called the warp drive yes. uh, to travel far faster than speed of light and when he saw that he thought maybe Einstein relativity equations allow us to do that really so he went to his office starting the start to write the mathematics the theory behind it then he put them inside the computer and he saw that that worked that was a real idea and he became really really famous because of that and he is the only person i think that has accomplished that uh, that th- a way to travel faster than light between the rules of general relativity
0: We also remembered that we just witnessed a historical event just a year and a half ago, or was it a little more, Uh, the first ever photo of a black hole. And uh, we compared it a little bit to the moon landing. And I asked him, how did he experience this event? Where was he? And did he have a chance to see it?
3: I was about to start my first class and I I arrived. I arrived a little bit earlier and everyone was on their phones, everyone. Uh, in the halls, in the classrooms, everywhere, everyone was on their phones, and I didn't know what was happening. So I went to a friend and asked him what was happening, and we saw the light together.
0: Back in school, Edgar was just one of those students who aced everything. But I had to ask him, now that he is studying something really complex on a much higher level, if there has been any subject where he failed an exam and what that experience was like for him. Here's what he said.
3: Well, uh, it was particularly difficult for me to, mm-hmm. uh, to realize that I failed a subject because during uh, high school and my first year in aeronautical engineering, because I was at uh, aeronautical engineering for one year, I didn't fail any subject for those three years, never. So in physics in my second semester, I had this teacher, he, was, he is a mathematician, he gave me the class of topics of algebra, which is a subject in which you learn really, it's like random subjects that you will need in, in the future about algebra, but they are really basic, like matrices, determinants, series, logarithms. And so yeah, I remember it, all that, of that. <laughs> yes, the that, that class was actually easy, but the exam... The exams were so difficult because he was a math major. He was doing his PhD and he was so rigorous. The exercises were really, really long and I only had one hour and I, I never finished one exam. I never, never finished an exam. So I, I failed. Uh, I, I, I think there was one exam. I had five questions. It was partial fractions and I only answered one because... I only had time for one, and it yeah. actually was the the easiest subject in the whole semester, and I had like mm-hmm. twenty, I guess. so I, I failed that class and I, it was so difficult emotionally because i that that's like when I first realized that maybe this isn't for me, maybe if i if I fail this class, imagine when I take quantum mechanics or relativity, what am I going to do then? And I actually, at that, that time, and this is kind of a funny story, I was raising money to go to vacations with my friends and my girlfriend. But if I failed that subject in my second opportunity, my parents were, were not going to allow me to go. Mm-hmm. So there, there was that, and I was so stressed. But at the end, I tried my second opportunity, and I got 94 because for that time, I had four hours to answer the exam. So I realized that maybe I just needed uh, a little bit more time.
0: Of course, I also asked him about his YouTube channel. What does he talk about on the channel? How did he get this idea? And uh, what is his whole routine around the channel?
3: Okay, yes. So my YouTube channel, uh, I use it to tell my story, my life being a physics student, because when I wanted to study physics, there was no one for me to talk to i needed to go to the faculty of physics and actually ask for the physics students because we are in my generation we are like 40 maybe less yes so uh, there's no information about this online on youtube anywhere what made me decide to create the channel was when i heard a talk in a congress they mentioned that in Mexico, per 100,000 people, there are just 20 PhDs, 20 people making investigation, and not just in physics, in all areas.
0: Everything.
3: And they then mentioned that in Germany, for example, out of 100,000 people, 400 were PhDs. Mm. Those results made me think that maybe there's something we Mexicans are doing wrong or aren't doing and I, I tried to think about an idea about something that I could do to make a change in the future but I wanted to start now and I knew that I didn't master I wasn't an expert in any field but I then realized that maybe a huge part of a huge reason of why people didn't study physics is because nobody tells you how it is. Mm-hmm. So I then had this idea of starting my YouTube channel about this topic in particular for them to see that it's possible even if you're not a genius, even if you are not so disciplined or organized, you can actually do it eventually. Uh, because if I can do it, I am an average person. Everyone can do it. That's what I want to transmit with all my videos I also do a little bit of science communication. But basically, that's the idea and the reason I started my YouTube channel.
0: And of course, there's the same question I asked the others before. What was the impact on remote teaching, of online teaching, on him? Of suddenly being in his house and taking the classes there?
3: Well, uh, the last semester, it had a huge impact because... I think the professors were the ones who had the hardest time to adapt to it Mm -hmm. because I had teachers that didn't have a good connection and that every single one of their classes, we only saw half the topic and we needed to, well, we just couldn't advance. And there were also other teachers that already had their PowerPoints prepared or that they made pdfs like some notes in a sheet of paper and they scanned it and that's how they gave their class and i think that that's what changed the most that Mm -hmm. some professors are those kind of teachers that they just need a a blackboard and a pen uh, and they just start giving the class and those kinds of teachers were the ones who failed that failed last semester to finish giving the, the whole class. I had this one class called Celestial Mechanics, and the whole last chapter, I didn't see anything about it. Nothing, oh, nothing at all. Oh, bad. And I also think, well, maybe it's not that teacher's fault or not all, not completely, because for me, it was also difficult to adapt to the pandemic. It, it also changed in positive ways. I used to take the bus all the days. I also I used to spend a lot of money on food there because I was there all day. And now I can wake up a little bit later. I can have breakfast when I want. I don't spend money. I don't waste time on the bus. But there's also that I can get distracted really easily because I have my phone here. I have yes. my PlayStation here. I have my brothers and sisters. But... Uh, now, this the semester, me and the teachers, I think we are doing much better than last semester. Uh, I am more organized. I already got used to being seated all the day in my, in my desk with my laptop. Uh, things are getting better. Uh, if the next semester is like this, I will be okay.
0: Thank you, Edgar, for reaching out to me and making it possible that we had this conversation and that I learned about your YouTube channel, of course. Thanks again. And those of you who want to listen to the whole conversation, that's episode number 38. And as I just revealed on the year-end episode, it was the most popular of the year. So you should definitely check it out. Finally, I talked with a student who was in my classroom in my very first year of teaching in that school, and uh, that's Mariana Garcia. She is an entrepreneur. She has her own business, a social enterprise. And I reconnected with her on the conference ING Monterrey, which is a huge conference for entrepreneurship for business startups. And yeah, since then, we stayed in touch. I invited her to speak in my school about her business. And of course, I had to reconnect with her. Her business is called Isel, and I had to ask her, what does this name actually mean, and why did she pick it?
4: Yes, Isel means uh, unique in uh, Nahuatl, which is a like indigenous dialect here in Mexico, and I chose that name uh, precisely because um, Isel merges uh, technology with Mexican handcrafts. So we're creating a very different and unique product in order to um, provide with more visibility and more voice to indigenous culture in Mexico.
0: So how did she get the idea of the business and really started to realize that that's what she wants to do?
4: Yeah, I found it like the, the idea started since 2016, more or less, that's when, when I realized of, the, of like the social problem here in Monterey, that we had a lot, a lot of indigenous uh, people migrating to the state and nobody was paying attention to them. So that's when I like, had this idea, like, I need to do something to solve this issue. I need to create something to work with them. Uh, However, all like the planning and the structuring of the business model took me (laughs) very long. So operations of my company started at the end of 2018. But I think that officially I can say operations started last year, like on August 2019 is when I uh, already like launched the uh, online store. And we started selling online and on Amazon and on different like markets here in Mexico.
0: So she's not a student anymore, in contrast to the others. But I also had to ask her, of course, how did the pandemic and the whole lockdown situation affect her and her business and her sales?
4: No, it it, it definitely uh, has like ha- has had an impact on our sales because uh, before the pandemic even though we had the online store, half of our sales came from markets, like from different, I don't know how they call it in English, but in, in Mexi- here in Mexico, we call them bazares. And they're like small markets in the street where people go and buy stuff. And we all, we all are like uh, entrepreneurs with our projects. So half of my sales came from there from there. And since that pandemic, I couldn't go anymore to these markets. So all the sales should come from, like, online stores. And even, even with that, like, I have not um, reached half of the sales that I had last year because the economy in general, I think it's, like, very uh, very bad here in Mexico and in the world, maybe, in general. And a lot of people are not buying right now, like, they're more focused on saving money or buying just essential stuff and my product is not a commodity and it's not like it's not something that you need it's more like a luxury it's a luxury product it's yeah. an accessory for your apple watch or an accessory for your smart watch so I think that my strategy during these days has been like more focused on the impact that your um, that your money or your buying has uh, with us, your, that your purchase that your purchase has with us. Like it goes beyond just having a nice product or having a nice strap for your Apple Watch and handmade by indigenous women it also has an impact in these women's uh, life. Uh, because of their purchase, these people can continue like surviving. I cannot say that, that they are living their best life because things are very, um, very difficult days and more for them that they used to sell on the streets. And uh, yeah, they, they used to have like also part of the income in, by selling thing, things on the streets. Um, but I think with Isel, we are providing a little. Um, in Spanish, we say colchón. I don't know what's the yeah. term in English, but it's like this little piece of income that they can use to just keep surviving and keep uh, giving opportunities to their kids, uh, keep them in school, uh, don't make, make them uh, like don't make them abandon school. Uh, to help them work and things like that. Like I'm very proud because uh, the family I'm working with they're right now, they have six daughters. Uh, Mika is her name of of the indigenous woman. Yeah. And Mika has six daughters. One of her daughters is working also with me. She has already like uh, 19 years old. And uh, the rest of her daughters are like small of them are going to school uh, right now, and they didn't have to abandon school this, this, this semester, this year, and one of them has gotten uh, a laptop for their, studies, for their studies.
0: I remembered that some years ago, she also went on a mission to the African continent, and I wanted to know if that experience does in any way connect to what she's doing now with her social enterprise.
4: Yeah, I went on two thousand and seventeen. Isel started before I went on Africa. However, my mission on Africa, or like my volunteering experience on Africa, uh, it was on Zambia, and we went. uh, We were working at a um, refugee camp in in Zambia. The name is Mayuka yukwa and I think that experience just reinforced me my passion for service and my the responsibility that I, that I feel I have with society and with my community because in the experience like my main learning was I am at a privileged very very privileged position I have many tools and it's it wouldn't be fair if I just kept all these tools to myself like I need to use these tools and all of my knowledge and all of the privilege that I have to make a change and to empower the people that are in vulnerable, in vulnerable, um, like position that are not enjoying, enjoying the same privilege, uh, that I have. So yeah, the experience in Africa was definitely, um, like, a how do say, like a a motor or like a motivation to, yeah, like a catalyst to just start working full Mm -hmm. time on e
0: And of course, being an entrepreneur has to become really popular. Uh, There are several TV programs, just think of Shark Tank, that are all about it. So I had to ask her, I had to know from her, What is that lifestyle like? And what does it really take from a person to be an entrepreneur?
4: Well, the first thing is that you really, really, really must want it. Like desire it with all of your heart because it's not an easy thing. Uh, People, I think that entrepreneurship is a lot like um, uh, getting but a lot of attention because there's this false idea that it's like so fun and you're your own boss and you have so much time because you manage your own time and you do what you love and that there's that's just like false like all those are lies if you're the, the real like uh tough thing of being an entrepreneur is precisely that you're your own so you have the worst of the bosses. You have the most demanding boss. You have the most strict and uh, intense uh, boss. And I think that if you really want for your, enter- uh, like for your enterprise or your startup to succeed, you need to work 24-7. So if you think or if you would uh, like to be an entrepreneur uh, just to have fun and do what you love and, and manage your own time and have may- maybe have more time for yourself, this is not the way. Like being an entrepreneur is way more exhausting than working on an enterprise as, a, as an employee. And I've had like both, uh, both experiences. And when I was an employee, I really was like, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm really bored. I don't do anything. I want more challenges. I want uh, like more work. And when I jumped to the other side, I was just like, this is too much work. I was working from Monday to Sunday, 24-7. And I was not gaining like any income. From my work why because all the income that was coming for itself must be reinvested so maybe i had like one peso from here and one peso from there and one peso from there but it was not like in my in my past job what i were where i had like this uh fixed income coming every single month so when I was an interpreter, like when I started my days uh, and my months as an entrepreneur, I was like, what am I doing here? I should go back to an, to an enterprise and be an employee where I don't do anything and they just pay me for, like, for being seated there in, in the computer. But then you realize that it's really your passion and you're doing it because you enjoy it and you really like... Yeah, it's it's really doing and you don't do it for the money and you don't do it for anything else than uh the satisfaction that gives you delivering that service or delivering that product. So right. So uh, yes, I, I think that my best advice is just is just like um asking yourself if it's really something you're passionate about and if you are willing to sacrifice many things such as income, such as uh, time and effort and just keep going because it's a tough road.
0: Thank you, Mariana, for this conversation. And let's hope that this coming year, 2021, is a much better year. You, dear listeners, if you want to hear the full conversation, you would have to go back to episode number 34. And once again, thanks to all four of them for taking the time to talk to your old teacher, to Paola, Alejandra, Mariana, and Edgar. I really had a great time reconnecting with all of you, and I feel very happy to see that you guys are successful, assertive, and happy young people. And I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing more from you in the future. And of course, to keep my listeners updated. My best wishes to you, your families, and to all my other students and to my teacher friends in this new year, 2021. I will be back with a regular episode on Thursday, which will be the first regular episode of the year. And I will also try to stick to my original plan of making the episode something around 20 minutes. I promise. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. That would make it easier for other people to find the podcast as well. And please subscribe to the show and share it with the people you think will enjoy it. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco, and this has been Where Did the Rabbit I really just wrote 2020 in the show notes, come on, the
2: year is over.